This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and leave us all the star reviews, however mm-hmm. many stars they have now. I don't know anymore. I'd say five is generally the consensus. I'll of, take five unless it's out of, of ten, top. in which case that would be mean. <laughs> um, How are you doing tonight? I'm okay. Happy you're going to go away for a yes, long time. Yes, this is a uh, rare min- uh, midnight Wednesday. <laughs> My vein, I have vacation brain. Look at you. I'm not going to do super great tonight. Um, <laughs> no, I'm leaving for uh, the Pacific Northwest. Um, Have fun. Early tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. So it's a Wednesday night. I <laughs> just drove back from the city to play because I was playing kickball with my husband's kickball team. As one does. As one does. I did, Hemant, I know you're wondering, extremely well. What? I went four for four. Look at you. And <laughs> caught two pop flies. I did extremely well. Nice. They want to bring me back, but you know what? I'm going on fucking vacation. <laughs> you get to go on vacation. It's okay. <laughs> Every time I would do anything, I kept yelling how I was on island time <laughs> and complaining <laughs> that I wanted to go back to the bench because I had a beer there. Nice. So I'm very fun to play kickball with. Um, we'll <laughs> Let's talk about the news. Eh, there's some stuff. Happy anniversary today. To whom? To, it's the 50-year anniversary of the Catholic Church saying birth control is immoral. Exactly 50 years today, Pope Paul VI released a document called Humanae Vitae, whatever the hell the pronunciation is. It was about... It's human life. Of human life. And basically he said birth control was, quote, intrinsically wrong. And just to rewind 50 years ago, and I'm sure you've heard this... this happened in my parents' lifetime? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not forever ago. I guess it w- birth control wasn't a thing forever ago. Right. Um, but even then, yeah, like if you go back to before Roe v. Wade, if you heard people talking about it this week because um, of all the Supreme Court stuff going on, uh-huh. they would tell you too that when Roe v. Wade happened, the Supreme Court decision happened, it really wasn't some major decision. It was kind of one of those like, oh, well, all right. Uh-huh. Well, a lot of states kind of already had their own laws, but this makes it nationwide, whatever. Because... It wasn't a big deal, even to religious people. It wasn't uh-huh. that big of a deal. And in the Catholic Church, before this document came out, um, it was more of a, you do whatever you need to do. Follow your conscience, is what the Vatican had said up to that point when really? it came out. Yeah. And what made them pivot? This document, because it really... But like what triggered this document? This couldn't have come out of... That's a good question. I don't know what triggered it. I know we released it, but I... Uh, on, at this date. years ago. Is that the 70s? 68. Oh, 68. So yeah. birth control came around in the early mid-60s, right? So they so, had to make yeah, a decision about it. And what's really interesting is, you know, at the time, you know, they they tell you what you can do, what you can't do. Here's the reasoning the Pope gave for why birth control was immoral. And this is almost hilarious if it wasn't such a destructive... Is it the one about a man spills his seed somewhere? No, but I want to know where you're going with this. No, that's... A th- okay, <laughs> you tell me. I'm going to look up the Bible verse. Sure. <laughs> no, he didn't even cite the Bible because they're Catholics. They don't, they don't need to. <laughs> Basically... <laughs> they're Bible he, adjacent at yeah. this point. What he said is that a man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due to a woman and reduce her to being a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his own desires. If you use birth control, you might just have sex for yourself and and have fun without actually thinking about what it's for and valuing the woman, because that's impossible unless procreation (laughs) is an option. Wait, 
Wait. Yeah. So this whole thing was the Pope concerned trolling women? Yes. And saying, I'm doing this for you. I want sex to be meaningful for you. Therefore, birth control is bad because every time you have sex, it ought to be hopefully leading to procreation. And so if if birth control's out there, guys are just going to screw you for the hell of it. And that's not good for women. That was the thinking behind it. Okay, I can't find a specific quote that I'm thinking of. That's I'm okay. sure somebody will tweet it at me. Here's the most interesting statistic I can tell you about all of this, I think. Okay. Uh, oh, that, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, spill uh, the seeds. Genesis 38, 9, and 10. Uh-huh. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he... Hey, Mikey. And <laughs> it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the... Gr- no, that's not it. <laughs> They talk a lot about spilling seeds, I guess. It's, I thought it was like anti-masturbation. That's why all the answers are in Genesis. Anyway. <laughs> the best statistic. In 2016, the Pew Research Center asked Catholics, what do you think about birth control? And, you know, I know there's a lot of Catholics who don't accept a lot of the teachings of the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. Only 13%, one three. 13% of Catholics said, yeah, contraception is morally wrong, like the church teaches. That means 45% said it's totally fine, morally acceptable, and 42%, a different 42%, said it's just not a moral issue at all. Just let me friggin' use it. Yeah. Well, and there's a... I mean, that tracks with how many... The percentage of women, Catholic and otherwise, have used birth control at some point. It's somewhere in the 90 95% of women have used... Because guess what? Being pregnant sucks. (laughs) Especially if that's not part of the plan. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. So anyway... Thank you for walking that back for me a little bit. (laughs) You're (laughs) welcome. So, as you insult all mothers everywhere... No, I'm not insulting (laughs) it. I think, if anything, I'm commiserating it as a... Deeply non-pregnant but, person right now. <laughs> but yeah, 50 years ago, that's when the Pope said it's bad. The Catholic Church as an institution has held to that ever since for the, as, as bad as that has been for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and most Catholics are like, yeah, we're just going to say you're wrong on this, church. Okay. Just like a lot of them do with marriage equality. They're like, no, I'm fine with gay marriage and I'm fine with two gay guys being mm-hmm. in love. And even though the church says no, like there's a lot of Catholics who just know my church is wrong on this, right. but I'll still call myself a Catholic. Can we do a little brainstorming session of in the, say the last hundred years, mm-hmm. what have, what has been a more negatively impactful, I was going to say destructive, but I don't think that's the right word, negatively impactful stance for the Catholic church to take? As in, what's the thing that's done the most? Yeah, damage, what's maybe? done the most damage? So, like, I would the say thing that, with birth control yeah. has really har- not only harmed like women and their right to choose and their right to decide when they want to be pregnant and the right to have safe sex with people, but like that extends to internationally, where anywhere the Catholic reaches, right. including including Africa, including where they don't, Africa, and, where or it, India, where they don't. Mother Teresa had right. women who are pregnant come to her place. Right. Would not give them any abortion. They, uh-huh. they wouldn't do that, of course. They don't give birth control. They wouldn't give condoms. This is a church that goes on mission trips mm-hmm. around the world. They don't give away condoms. They mm-hmm. don't do any of the birth control stuff. Um, and that's a damaging, damaging thing to do when you're going to these other places. And and telling them that, you know, all sex has to be procreative. I, that's destructive. There's a lot of destruction the Catholic Church yeah, has done. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the I really, anti-gay thing is... 
pretty bad. Though if you just look numbers wise, I would say the contraception one has impacted for the bad yeah. reasons the more more people because the uh, like the ban on uh, gay acts right. which the church believes in. Um, I can be mad about that, but it doesn't affect me personally. But the thing about contraception affects so many more people directly. That's true. You can. It's much easier to turn a blind eye if you're not gay. Right. Right. Whereas, like, if you're a straight person who wants to have sex, it's a conversation that you have to have. And keep in mind, we've also seen this play out because, you know, Catholic institutions, Catholic schools have pushed back against providing contraception uh-huh. uh, when it comes to the Affordable Care Act. They're like, we're not going to include birth control mm-hmm. in our insurance plans because that's abortion or because our religion, it's not, or because no, our not. beliefs dictate it, which who cares? Not everyone follows your beliefs. Um, and if you're running, you know, not a Catholic school per se, but you're a Catholic business owner, mm-hmm. not all of your employees are going to necessarily be Catholic. So, I mean, this stuff has been destructive in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right. Okay. So anyway, there's that. Uh, let's, let's go to this one because it Can happened. I, say, I actually yeah. thought for a second that like we had like a podcasting anniversary or 50th? something like that. that <laughs> yeah. well, no, no, when you said happy anniversary, I was like. Did for once, did I miss an anniversary in Hemet? Is he going to nope. surprise me with champagne? Not at all. No, he did bring me a giant bottle of barefoot Riesling that he found in his house. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. so this story is going to be in the New York Times this weekend, and it just went up oh, online today. Oh, I know, <laughs> I that's why. Sort of no, I have no ins. <laughs> um, it, it's a profile on Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop. And, you know, the the reporter basically mm. followed around Gwyneth Paltrow for a little bit, had a lot of conversations with her, and really talking about how did she take this, this uh, wellness website um, into this quarter-billion-dollar business, which we've talked about before, mm. and what's all the deal with the pseudoscientific BS stuff you're Very selling there? It covered everything. It was, a, it was a really interesting article. few things that I found out that I did not know before. First of all, had no idea where the name Goop came from, and it's one of those it's, things where it once, initials? yeah, had no you idea, didn't know that? had no clue. I don't know her middle names, but I just it's know. not O's. It's just the GP. It's but you got wait. She picked Goop. Goop. <laughs> yeah, oh. or someone suggested Goop because of her initials. But what are her middle names? Um, I don't know. Okay, that, I'm sorry. I got a little off track. I think the if I remember correctly, the article said she heard O's were good for website names like Google. So, like, all right, let's just stick O's in there. Google, Yahoo. Yeah, so O's. At Everyone all. likes O's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. God, Goop is a singularly unattractive name, though. It okay, I'm really sorry. I'm, getting, I'm doing the thing where I get no, caught up on the good. wrong thing. Um, number two thing that I did not know. There's three altogether. The number two thing that I did not know beforehand is that uh, Condé Nast, the big uh, magazine publishing empire, mm-hmm. they were working with her to publish a magazine. Because why wouldn't you, right? Because the people who are attracted to her website... This is Goop or... This is post... Oh, okay. This is so when this is Goop is on day. the rise. Yeah, okay. it's not long ago. Okay. And they wanted to publish kind of all the stuff they publish on their website. Uh-huh. But Condé Nast has magazine standards, and they're like, you can't just tell people, like, stick jade eggs up your vagina and everything will be That's better. That's favorite Goop product, huh? It's the only one I know. I think you mentioned um, that once a week. It, well. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't let me get I have track. my preferences. Oh, stop. Gross. 
<laughs> so anyway, they said, you can't publish all the stuff you want to publish because we do fact-checking in this magazine. <laughs> and so you can only publish things we can... We have to be able to verify. Like, if you're saying, take this because it's good for you, uh-huh. or, um, you know, take this medicinal thing, or we're saying it's going to cure you, or it's going to help you in this way. Not just, this will make your life better as a general wellness right. thing. But if you're going to say these things, we have to... Yeah, if you're it. making a specific claim yeah. that that needs to hold to some kind of scrutiny. And basically, they didn't want to do it. Gwyneth Paltrow's team were why? like, what? Fact-checking? No. I don't know. <laughs> That's what, so surprising. I'm going to read you this. This is what they said in the, the thing. Um, we're never making statements, Paltrow said, meaning, says the reporter, they're never asserting anything like a fact. They're just asking unconventional sources some interesting questions. That was their defense here. We're just asking questions. Maybe you should have this coffee enema. Meh. Again, I know I say this every time you bring up coffee enemas. If you give yourself a coffee enema, do cool the coffee down before (laughs) the enema. Go ahead. Yeah, and basically, uh, this is the reporter channeling Gwyneth Paltrow here. Some would argue, her former partners at Condé Nast for sure, that it is giving an unfiltered platform to quackery or witchery. Okay, okay. Wait. This is what the reporter is saying. (laughs) And then Gwyneth like, okay, okay, but what is quackery? What is witchery? Is it claims that have been observed but not the subject of double-blind peer-reviewed studies? Yes, right? Okay, Gwyneth Paltrow would say. Then what is science? And is it all-encompassing and altruistic and without error and blah, blah, blah? Like, basically, if you tell her you need to fact-check it because it's good science Mm -hmm. and that's what you should do, she's her response is like, is science? What are facts? You what know, are, that's the oh. second time that's come. I, I know I bring this up on this podcast, but Ona Ross and Carrie has been doing like an extensive flat earther thing. Yeah. And they interviewed this flat earther dude. And first of all, I want to fucking pull my hair out. It was the most frustrating oh, thing I to listen imagine. to. But I feel like I hear a lot of that weird, like, it's like the opposite of an, of an appeal to authority. It's just like, <laughs> what does science know? Like, right. science is flawed. It's done by people. People are what flawed. What has science so done what for do me lately? Know? Like, yeah. it's this weird, like, they're so willing to question, like, what do we know? How does anything mean? But, like, <laughs> they're perfectly happy to get in their car or get on a plane. Right. <laughs> right. That kind of science they're a chill with. But if there's, if the scientists are like... The Earth is a globe. They're like, well, <laughs> this conspiracy goes all the way to the top. Hold on, Mr. PhD <laughs> slash fifth grader. What do you know? Oh, Here's the third thing I learned that I had no idea about, and uh-huh. this was kind of funny. So they go, the, the reporter uh, go, kind of goes into all the controversies that have happened because they promote all this bullshit on the website. It's joked about all the time among critics. Uh-huh. Um, and people who are like, this is bullshit. Why are you selling this? And why are you getting away with selling this? Uh-huh. And so Interesting this question. Is, I would like an answer to yeah. Uh And this is, I'm quoting directly from the article. After a few too many cultural firestorms and with investors to think about, GP, Gwyneth Paltrow, made some changes. Goop has hired a lawyer Oop. to vet all claims on the site. Wait, we've talked about this. They've sort of like backed off some of their like heavier claims, they, right? Yeah. I now the or thing we talked about claim. before is that they had uh, put warning labels on their various articles oh, and products, okay. uh-huh. ranging from like something that's total BS, mm-hmm. which they called just for fun, 
yes, to like yes, 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 scientifically yes, yes. test it. Now they've actually, beyond just hiring a lawyer, it hired an editor away from Condé Nast to run the magazine that she's doing on her own so she can <laughs> put whatever she wants in it. It hired a man with a PhD in nutritional science, Uh-oh. which I don't know what that means yet because there's some PhDs uh, who believe like crazy stuff. soul selling, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's also, by the way, a director of science and research who is a former Stanford professor. So, okay, they're trying to add some real scientific heft to their site. And then here's the kicker. In September, Goop, uh, quoting Gwyneth Paltrow here, is hiring a full-time fact checker. Is it me? Can I have that job? I don't know. That's got to. And Gwyneth Paltrow chose to see Gwyneth Paltrow chose to see that as a quote necessary growing pain. Yeah, she's very put <laughs> upon about it. Goop fact um, checker has to be the worst job in America. No, ever. I, ten out of ten, I would take that job. <laughs> um, no, I. The thing that concerns me of bringing on the PhD is my fear would be that they would sort of tie his hands and not really give him any power. But then all of a sudden they have this this Stanford PhD on their side to sort of I wonder of if they say, here, why don't you look at these three articles over here right. and give your stamp of approval. Uh-huh. By the way, on this other part of the site we're selling, I don't right. know. Right, and it's, it is going to be a question of, like, A, how much power... Lipstick that cures your cancer or whatever the <laughs> hell they're selling now. Um like, how much power do they give him and how yeah. ethical is he going to behave? Which, I mean, I, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right, and I don't know what they're going to have him do, and I don't know what the fact checker is going to contribute here because I have a hard time believing that the stuff they push on the site is suddenly going to be either just a waste of money at best or useful. No, I mean, these <sighs> sites like this, the wellness sites... They make a ton of money off of fooling people into buying stuff because they think yeah, it's going to do something. And I them. also don't think that some like qualifying language is going to uh, sway people away from this, right? Like right. homeopathic medicine says it's homeopathic. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, but like, I mean, I just don't know. Like, if I'm the kind of person that thinks like putting a jade ed- egg yes. in my area is going to give me x-ray vision or whatever she says right i don't know if i read the description and it says some may say that this does this <laughs> like that's i don't think the, the 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 kind of people who buy that are the discerning customers who are like hmm that's some qualifiers on there maybe it's not like up to scientific rigor right like but i guess at that point that's a buyer beware like it's your own damn fault at that point yeah now one of the criticisms has been she's making these claims that have no scientific merit to them and the problem is it could genuinely hurt people. So when yes. you're putting this uh, cream on you or you're putting stuff up your whatever Shots, hole. there hasn't been a lawsuit yet. I know. And that's why it's concerning to her, I think, because now they're making it feels crazy like a money. Of time. And so they need to make sure they're not subject there, to lawsuits. There must be something going on there. Because I have a feeling that like any like personal injury or like class action lawyer is like, chomping at the bit to get that because... But other sites like this exist and they have avoided that probably because they have the right disclaimers or they say like they don't cross the line like I think she has sometimes into saying what this product will do for you. Mm -hmm. They might say it does some other stuff or they'll give, you know, it'll make you feel better. It'll, you know, jumpstart your day, but not to say it'll fix provable or falsifiable. Right. So interesting, interesting article. We'll have a link to it. Um, it'll be in the paper this weekend for anyone who reads, you know, actual print, but it's online now. Uh, 
This one, I forgot if we covered this years ago. I don't know if we were talking about news articles a couple years ago. But, okay, this 11-year-old kid, his name is William Malis, whatever. He's 11. <laughs> he just graduated from a place called St. Petersburg College. Okay. So the story, the headline everywhere is 11-year-old graduates from college. Oh, my God, this kid is so smart, right? Sounds smart. Um, what am I missing, Hammond? Oh, man, a lot. Um, he's going to be entering uh, a different school. Uh, he's going to go to the University of South Florida now to pursue his further studies. Okay. So good on him. Let's get this out of the way. That's not an easy thing to do, to be 11 and to go that far in your schooling. That's, I would argue to be an adult and do that is pretty That's impressive. right. So more power to him. Um, every article refers to this kid as a genius. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. This All kid, right, here's like you're why. Of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's uh, he got he graduated from college, right? That's what all the headlines said. Uh-huh. Well, he got an associate's degree from the community college. Oh my God, Evan. that's fine. <laughs> this is not a cute look on He's you. He's not a PhD yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if if an adult graduated from community college, I'd say good for you. You have a college degree. Whatever. <laughs> If you're a PhD, I'm like, oh, you're really smart. Okay, fine. You're smarter than I am. I don't buy this kid's a genius. And here's another reason I don't buy this kid's Jeez, a genius. Is this this is not a knock. Why people hate atheists? Sorry. No, this is why they hate me. Um, just to be clear, I'm not knocking community college. I'm knocking the everyone's given this kid the benefit of the doubt, and I don't like it. Here's what he wants to do as he continues his studies, which, by the way, is the same thing he said when he was nine and graduated from high school, and I didn't like him then either, because that didn't impress me either, because whatever. Here's what he wants to do. He wants a PhD in astrophysics. Good for him. That's going to take some work. I wish him the best. When he gets his PhD in astrophysics, I'll tip my hat to this kid. And then he says... I want to prove that God does exist I through science. The prestige was coming the whole time, and I knew it. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way we were just going to dunk on an 11-year-old no. kid for five minutes. No, again, what he did is not easy. Oh, but he's heaven. pursuing all this because he wants to prove yeah, God exists. he's 11. Because he's 11. Though he said it when he was is 9. Is he going to prove Santa Claus first? <laughs> First of all, rule number one of any science, you don't start with your conclusion and then work backwards. Oh, God. So, no, you don't say, I'm going to prove this thing that is whatever. Well, by the time he gets his PhD, he'll be 16. He'll have more (laughs) independence. He'll be driving around, and maybe he'll, you know, rebel against his parents finally. I mean, a couple things. And by the way, his uh, dad is a Greek Orthodox priest. His dad is a minister of some sort, so... There's that. <laughs> not to take away his autonomy. And it seemed, by the way, uh, not even credit to the parents because they could have very well, you might say, they pushed him into this. It seemed very clear they did not. Oh, yeah. They just encouraged him to be curious. They encouraged him to ask questions. This kid did whatever it is he did. And they're letting him go to college, like not a Christian college or not a, a yeah. private random college. He's going to a real college. So, I mean, that's good on the parents. I'm curious. I feel like um, I'm surprised things like this still happen. This, I mean, I guess if he's that Like putting a kid like that in a college setting? Not even necessarily that, but just like allowing a kid to accelerate through through schooling. Because I feel like maybe this is just like 
you know, 10 years ago or whatever, but I heard a lot of people like were red shooting their, their kids and trying to keep them back a year. Mm. So they were a little more mature when they, when they were going on. So they had more opportunity to succeed and, you know, we're a little older, a little more mature. I, and, and the couple times I've heard articles where a kid did go to college or was doing crazy research uh. at that age too. Um, I remember one time this, I remember this because I think I was in high school at the time or I was about to enter college and there was a news and article in Chicago. you classmate you hated him. I didn't, but I read about that kid and, <laughs> and they were saying he's going to college and he's pursuing medical school. He's starting medical school and I think he was nine or ten. Oh and that was... Uh, at a time when I think I was trying to get into med school or whatever. So <laughs> it was like... like in your fucking face, kid. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go to one-year medical wins. school well, and then start in, a blog. <laughs> that's how it works. That kid got into a way better school, so good on him. And But the <laughs> thing is, here's where it got weird. Um, beyond the obvious. Because your first couple of years, you're just learning science. You're just in the classroom. Uh-huh. So that he, if he's smart, he could pull that off. Yeah. The Where the school had an issue, they're like, we'll let him in because the first two years shouldn't be an issue. What happens when he starts rotating and he's meeting patients? Because a, a patient doesn't want to see Doogie Hauser. You want no. the one who knows what they're doing and looks like they know what they're doing. And holy shit, <laughs> God forbid that kid does an OBGYN uh, right. rotation. Fuck that noise. <laughs> Absolutely I not. I think what they ended up doing, this kid ended up doing a medical degree and a PhD, which other people do as well. But mm. what they said is do your first two years, but before we send you on rotations for your last two years of med school, do your PhD which takes a few years, and by the time you're ready uh, for rotations, right the a little bit, my friend. Yeah, you'll be you'll be young. You'll be younger than everyone else, but it'll make a little more sense when uh-huh. you're visiting. And whatever, I think it's fine. I remember though reading one of the articles about him when uh, James Watson of Watson and Crick, because he's still Wasn't alive. That the computer that um... that's a different Watson. Okay. Um, James Watson, the, the scientist, that... <laughs> said to that kid, "Wait, is that Sherlock Holmes' assistant?" No, not even. <laughs> The computer or like the just the name Watson? Yeah, I'm just I, doing a fun bit on the name Watson. I got you. You're not a good improv I'm not partner. A, no. <laughs> Go ahead. So I remember James Watson said to this kid, like, do research. Stop. Don't have friends. Don't get interested in girls. Just yeah. do research because you're nine and you're brilliant. So go do all that stuff because this is when yeah, your mind is fresh. Yeah, there no ramifications when you're an adult. Yeah, and that's all the criticism was like, like, dude, let the kid have a life of yeah. some sort. <laughs> anyway, back to this 11-year-old kid I'm not necessarily a fan of yet. I'm such an asshole. Whatever. Whatever. How am I the mean one on the podcast? And you... <laughs> <laughs> You're spending I want to make monologuing. I'm I, I'm not mocking the kid. If he gets if he's studying astrophysics and he's good at it and he gets his degree, more power to him. But I'm wondering what's going to happen as this kid goes through those studies because a couple things could happen. One is he gets his degree, he learns as much as he possibly can about whatever aspect of astrophysics he wants to know. Uh-huh. He's not going to find God, and I'm wondering if at what point is it going to hit him? And does he follow that evidence? And, like, how does he deal with that? I mean, that? there's astrophysicists who believe in God. Like, it's not, granted... Difference between believing something's out there no, no, and, no, like, yeah, they're I not, they're, Their job, it, they, they're not dedicating their lives to try to find him. But, right. like, he's not necessarily going to become an atheist because... He's surrounded by atheists. Right. Or, no, I'm with you. He may, <laughs> still, be, he may still be a believer, but at some point he's going to figure out I can't prove God exists. And I, I'm so curious how that's going to play out in his mind. Because, like, 
I've known about this kid for years since they started writing about him, and he's always said the same thing, uh-huh. that this is his goal in life. This is what he wants to do with the science degree. And, like, it's not... It doesn't take a genius to kind of look at that and say, well, you're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, that's not even being a dick. That's like... I mean, I if you just said, I want to pursue the science degree we'd be having a different conversation. Right. What pisses me off is I'm like, well, you're pursuing this thing and everyone in your circle is telling you you're doing the best thing ever and you're going <sighs> to do this amazing thing and you're not. You're not going to prove God exists. You will maybe get your astrophysics degree. You're not going to prove God. So like, no one has the heart to tell him this. <laughs> I just want to say when I get this mad on the podcast, it's always about like women not having bodily autonomy or or homophobia or racism and having it's like this fucking kid is being coddled. Um, what did you want to do when you grew up when you were little? Um, I didn't know. Look at I found this. I was my we were cleaning out my it's thing. A coloring of it's some a drawing sort. that I made when I was I don't know probably six. Yeah, and I wanted to be. A horse trainer, or as nice. I wrote, horse trainer. <laughs> and I did. I have trained a horse. Look at you pursuing goals. I know. Also, <laughs> doesn't that look just like me? You know how I always wear pink turtlenecks? <laughs> 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 okay. Yes. What else you got, buddy? Um, okay. <laughs> Here's something that doesn't piss me off nearly as much. because I cannot believe we just talked about that kid for 15 minutes. Don't worry. We'll do it again when he's 12 and done with his first biology <laughs> class. I'm sure. Okay. Do you think he's going to come home after his first biology class and be like, Mom, where do babies come from? <laughs> I'm, okay. Here's another thing about this. Where, what does he, I'm so curious. This is, this is not, I just want to know. If you're 11, you may be super, super smart in this one area, uh-huh. but I'm sure there are huge gaps in his knowledge and other things we yeah. kind of take for granted. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder what those are, because I don't know what they are. I mean, are. my question is just a level uh level of like maturity mm-hmm. you know what i mean just like emotional maturity to deal with criticism and all that like i have a 11 or 12 year old nephew and like i love him to bits but like imagining him defending a thesis right. i don't think or would... talking to professors talking to adults yeah and he I got s- really mad a couple of years ago because his sister found more easter eggs than he did <laughs> right so like <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And by the way, I watched that kid in interviews because as I was hate watching YouTube and so he was fine. Weird. He was well-spoken and normal and we all that such stuff. such different hobbies. <laughs> so here's, <laughs> here's another story. <laughs> this appeared in the Atlantic this week. Um, and I talked about this a little bit before. Um, earlier this summer, I spent a week surrounded by these researchers who were doing really neat things. You and, didn't invite me. Um, I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the let me tell you what we did because I don't know if I explained it thoroughly okay. and here's where the Atlantic article kind of comes into that basically what they tried to do are you is, featured in the Atlantic article? I was not oh. um, the uh, person who was organizing this whole event he's a researcher from Norway he got together all these people that included sociologists uh-huh. computer programmers policy experts and here's what he was trying to figure out his premise was like, what, uh, what things in our society, what parts of our environment, if we could change it, uh-huh. what would that do to the religion demographics, you know, in society? So, for example, if we could find a way to make education cheaper uh-huh. and more affordable for everybody, um, I think, I'm biased here, but I suspect you would see 
fewer religious people in that community over time, right? If okay. the entire nation was able to get higher but education. But this is on a, on a global level, right? Uh, specifically different nations he was trying to figure okay. out. Like, can we program a computer simulation that says, well, if education became more accessible uh-huh. or if poverty disappeared at some level, can we figure out what's going to happen over time? Uh-huh. And not just will they become atheists per se, but can you create a society or what ingredients go into a society to create more charitable atheists mm-hmm. or atheists who are more likely to belong to a community of some sort um, or more analytical and self-critical of uh-huh. things they believe? Can we create those atheists? Because like, we don't need to create just atheists, but sure. like specific types of them. So what they were trying to do is is to say, we actually have data on this, demographic data and charitable contribution data in some countries that go back 10 years, 20 years. You can plug all that into your model and say, like, I'm making this up just for the sake of example, like, it's 1990. Let's plug these ingredients in and see what happens by the year 2000. And, oh, we have the answers to what What? happened in 2000. So we can actually see if our model was right, if we ended up getting what actually happened, right? That makes sense? And then the idea was, well, if it worked, because we can verify it using data we have, now let's go 10, 20, 30 years into the future and see if we could predict what's going to happen down the road. So the computer programmers were there to program all this stuff. These sociologists and those PhD researcher experts were there to say, these are the ingredients that we need to consider. Uh Because when it comes to charitable contributions, for example, this is the group I spent most of my time in. It's like, well, what counts as charity? Like giving to your church or giving to your... If I gave to American atheists, Mm -hmm. should we count that as charity? Because like it kind of benefits me. So that doesn't really count. But uh, if I give to the Red Cross, that's a different type of charity because it's not just me, that's right? That's an interesting take. So, like, if I, so I, so my only standing donations are I donate to the ACLU, yeah, and I donate to Planned Parenthood. I don't use Planned Parenthood, but I could need it. Maybe right. So that may be like well, and so the that's ACLU, a type of charity. I would argue, but because my donation time is not going to like fighting hunger or something like that, that does not... I think if you gave to a group that helps poverty-stricken countries uh-huh. feed hungry children, uh-huh. that is a probably more charitable thing to do than the ACLU or Planned Parenthood, which you like. You fight for those causes that yeah. could affect God, you one day. I never thought right? about that. So I'm these are so uncharitable. These... I thought I was so charitable. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. When you see studies that say who's more charitable, religious people or atheists, uh-huh. usually religious people are... Uh, but if charitable. you're saying my my charity is I'm giving to my church, then I say w- that doesn't count, right? Or can we can we take that out because you're helping yourself? That's not the same. Or so, what about if you're yeah. going out to promote your community to help your community? You're going to go volunteer at X Y Z, but yeah. like you're doing it also as a you're part of that community though, right? Well, and you're helping yourself. I guess I'm thinking more specifically like there's a, a charity around here called Feed My Starving Children. Yeah, have you heard of it? Uh, heard of it? It's it's just a very uh, it's it's what it says Christian, it is. <laughs> I think Christian or Catholic or mm-hmm. one of one of those. And literally, you go in for an hour, you fill up these bags, and they send them to impoverished nations um, of food. Did I specify as food? They they fill these food bags with rice and nutritional ingredients. You seal them up, and you send them off. Uh, 
No, I think I'm being too critical because I was going to well, say like you're going like, to do it, but you're doing it to like promote your church, like get a picture and do. Sure. But that's no, that's but, me being a bitch. About and it. the thing is, we want people to be part of those charities. Right. Those are all awesome. If you're giving to your church and they're doing good stuff with it, more power to you. That's awesome. But if you're giving to your church is, to fix the pews, yeah. are you then is the, how charitable is that? It's good because you're giving to someone else. Right. But at the same time, it kind of benefits you. Whatever. Oh, no, no, this is what we were. This is the whole thing we were arguing. Like, what type of charity counts? Should we put as an ingredient into the program uh, to try to figure out how do we create more charitable people and what counts as charity? Anyway. This is what we discussed for like a week, right? Wow. So this goes on for a while. And now it's kind of up to, the, and the policy people, myself included, were there to say, well, you know, we've seen this play out in some cases. Let's argue about it. Uh-huh. Um, and we're going to, the computer programmers are now going to kind of take over and there'll be research papers published on this stuff in the coming months. It's It was a neat, different thing to do, right? Anyway, That's really cool. That takes me to this Atlantic article that came out this week that really described this whole project in more detail. Uh-huh. That kind of explained the whole idea of computer modeling as a way to figure out what we can do with these religious demographics. And one of the ways they talked about it is to say, hey, uh, in Norway, for example, where the researcher was from, uh, or in Greece or something like that, where they're taking in a lot of refugees, if we're taking in a lot of, let's say, Muslim refugees into this country that is not predominantly Muslim, what's going to happen in the future in terms of uh, religion? Are they going to shed their faith or assimilate into a different religion? Is the whole nation going to become more Muslim? Is it, are we going to have better more charitable people as a result of the mix? That was kind of the questions they were trying to answer in a lot of ways. And again, these are the idea behind the computer aspect of this Mm -hmm. is, well, we can run the program and see what will happen if you can get the program right, Uh which is obviously the controversial part here. But also, if you don't like what the results are, you can just run it again with saying, well, what if we took half as many refugees would that change the mix? And there's a little bit How of is... social engineering here that they were that the article, the Atlantic article, was kind of picking at, saying like that's kind of a weird thing that you're suggesting here to say. Well, our simulations say this will happen. The most positive net result for our country is, is to is take if fewer we, yeah. refugees. Yeah, that's a weird thing to suggest. Yeah. At the same time, it's saying, well, we're doing the research. We're doing. We're not making this up. But what know? is? But when you say when we get like quote unquote the result that we're looking for is that they assimilate more like is That's there ne- is totally there negative is there negative result there are large pack- packets of Muslim people in our country is that and their is that ne- bad, their version of negative why results? would that be ne- it, and there was no answer not, to that okay. right because that's but really it was up that quote unquote like the result they didn't want or like that certain I can tell you from my experience that's not at all what okay. we said okay uh, our goal was just to say what are the factors that go into it and I think the overall goal of the research was really to say we can do this on the computer we could simulate this proof of concept proof of concept and we could get it in the hands of politicians and they should look at our research because we're doing these things that are useful 
and hopefully the goal would be more refugees and how do we make everything better for everybody. Yo, how but, do you think Trump supporters would be like oh. if we were like, hey, a computer program told us we should take more refugees? They would fucking <laughs> well, riot. This is my argument against the Atlantic article, which is like you can get in politicians' hands, but like if they don't accept science or research or evidence to begin with, this is not really helpful mm-hmm. to them. And so you kind of need people who understand what this does, what this can't do, what the controversies are. Um, two things I do want to say about the Atlantic piece. The title was Artificial Intelligence Shows Why Atheism is Unpopular, which is kind of a stretch. What? <laughs> and I almost I, did a spit take. Yeah, it, here's what they were getting at. The title suggested that certain factors we know create a more secular society. Okay. If, if there are no tragedies like tsunamis or terrorist attacks you're less likely to run to religion, all right? So existential security leads to more atheism in general. Personal freedom, that no one's forcing you to believe Mm -hmm. certain things, then that's good. Pluralism, just having different religions out there, not everyone's the same, then you're probably not going to hone in on the one. Right. Um, And education. The more you know how to critical think, the less religious you're going to be. So all that's true. And it turns out in the U.S., where we're always told our freedom is at risk Uh and pluralism is seen as a bad thing by this administration and higher education is hard to attain unless you're an 11-year-old kid. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) uh, We're slower to secularize than parts of Europe. Because in Europe, like, they're all atheists. They don't think of our religion. So the article said, artificial intelligence shows why atheism is unpopular. Eh, that's not really what we did, but okay. Um, And the other thing that, um, the other thing wasn't that important. But anyway, (laughs) um, it was an interesting project that they were doing. The research papers are coming out now, which I have a lot less to do with. Um, But it's going to start to come out. And I will just tell you, from being there with those people, it's like, I didn't know this was a thing. And now it's, wow, that's amazing that you could figure that out and that you could say, we created this thing. Let's go back in time and run the program and see if we were right because we have that information to verify it before moving forward. That feels like the beginning of the Black Mirror episode. Right? It was so cool. (laughs) And were we right? Did we do good? Um, Were we right? No, we all die. (laughs) I mean, that's the end result of all this. Were we right to give women the vote? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we didn't study that but in theory you could maybe in theory figure... almost certainly not <laughs> i think i saw someone say uh there was patty murray the senator was on the floor today saying something like um you know against the roe v wade overturning if the supreme court guy is not uh, is is confirmed uh-huh. saying that you know women need autonomy it makes them more likely to vote and be better citizens and the response was like well that's probably why those people are so against women having autonomy they don't want them to vote but um okay Oh, did I will you? Take you? Yeah. No, super yes. sidebar. Did you read the story about the conservative woman who went to the um, the social democrat rally? Oh. Uh, yeah, they made fun of it on Colbert, I think, too. It. I read it today. She it's, went to an Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh-huh. rally, 
It it's maybe 150 words. It's very 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 short. W- was this Daily Caller or was it? It yeah. was one of those. It was Daily sites. Caller, which I definitely like. I clicked through to the website and they're and I have ad blocker on, and they p- make you pick like either subscribe or white li- list us, and then there's like a tiny little of choice in the bottom. White list us. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I can do jokes, too. (laughs) Um, There's, like, in the tiny, like, little corner, it says, like, I do not wish to support Descartes. It's like, yes, that's it. (laughs) You found me. But, yeah, she said something like... it's the wildest thing I've ever read. It's literally, like... uh, Let me summarize it for you. I went to this rally... I was eavesdropping on... I didn't mean to make that sound nefarious. I was just overhearing conversations of these women specifically. Why did they get involved? Oh, I'm tired of being scared. I'm angry. Like, I feel out of control, and so I want to get involved in politics. Um, (laughs) And then she lists... She says... um, um, Cortez... Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know why that name doesn't stick in my head. Um, Ocasio-Cortez comes out on stage, and she was like... I was so moved by this um, by this speech, and it made me realize that and it's like this bullet pointed list of like I imagined what it would be like how I would feel or how it would be appealing to like have health care assured to my child for my children. I imagine as a formerly like you know broke woman what it would be like to have a guaranteed income <laughs> and like and literally does nothing to say I can see why she's so appealing yeah like literally scary. was just like I see why this is and then didn't say well this is why me as a conservative doesn't believe this I don't want the government involved or like whatever whatever her points are she did nothing to like rebut it and literally, literally was like wow I it really scared me how appealing these talking points were. And I left with the feeling of there, but the grace of God go I. And I was like, <laughs> yes, your life is so hard. I think you're a socialist. Dude. I think Fox, I think Fox news also on Sean Hannity show, they show this bullet point list the bullet of, point the, of Ocasio-Cortez's, platform, Oh my God. And they like said it's it a, as bad, a bad, thing. bad thing. Yeah. And it's like healthcare for all. And they didn't and even affordable. spin it. That's my favorite yeah. things. They didn't even spin it. Or like, Oh, can you imagine if everybody could see a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not a world I want to live in. <laughs> stupid. Uh, speaking of idiots. stupid idiots. Um, okay. Reverend Jerry Carter. Uh, you don't know his name. He's a Republican. He's running for state house. No one knows his name. Okay. He's running for state <laughs> house. That was not. not on you. State <laughs> house in North Carolina's district 65. Uh, so he's the Republican nominee for that seat. And according to one source, which it, it's hard to confirm, but whatever, Uh, They said he was at a recent meet and greet with voters and he was giving them his standard stump speech, right? And just trying to get some money from them for his campaign. And according, and I know this because a guy wrote a letter to the editor about what he said there. And here's what uh, this Jerry Carter guy, here's what he said. Here's what he wanted to say. Oh, God. The The founding fathers did not support separation of church and state. So, you know, we should forget that. We want to merge religion and but, politics. But that's, that's what wrong. he wanted to say. And also, that would be wrong. wrong <laughs> but that's what he wanted to say. Here's what he actually uh, said. Oh, and by the way, let me add two more things. 
we know the founding fathers did not support separation of church or did support it because <laughs> oh, heaven, they wrote pull the that first, clip. <laughs> I know the, the first amendment, you know, the establishment clause says no establishment of religion. Yeah, was Thomas Jefferson up. wrote that letter to the Danbury Baptist saying there should be a wall, wall of, of separation. separation. And, and I've said, I'm quoting someone else here, but like the word religion appears twice in the constitution, both times preceded by the word no. So like they <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So they are they're not for um religion yeah, and politics. But being in merged. the Declaration of Independence, they said creator. Which is, which is not our law, and that was so, the okay. but haven't Rehashed. But Thomas Jefferson though. <laughs> so here's what Carter actually said. He's like, no, no, no. They were for religion and government being mixed. Smushed. And here's why. If they did, um his <laughs> If they did not support church-state separation, like then why did they put one nation under God in the Pledge of Allegiance? You're lying to me. And the crowd applauded him, Are and he sat down fu- smiling. Are you kidding? Why did they put one nation under God in the pledge? Uh, my, that was my reaction, too, which is silence, and my jaw dropped. I'm like, no, oh my no. God! How did we lose an election to these idiots? (laughs) Just to state some of the obvious points here, the Founding Fathers... Okay, you're going to fact check it? Thanks, Evan. (laughs) The Founding Fathers were talking, what, 1770s? That's when they were of age? Uh, 1776 is the popular year that we talk about. Pledge of Allegiance, not written until like 1890. Oh, I thought it was the early 20th century. I'm pretty sure these guys were dead. Well, um, it depends on what you think linear time does. Yes. And, of course, that original pledge didn't have one nation under God. That was in, in the 50s or the 60s? That was 1954. When During the Red Scare. I'm pretty sure Thomas Jefferson was, like, really, really dead. Hella dead. <laughs> Hella dead. So, this idea that, no, they totally did not support church-state separation because they put one nation under God in the pledge... Is bananas on like eight different levels. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yes. I have two thoughts on this. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) One is that it's incredible. Okay, let me back up. Do you think he genuinely believed this or do you think he was lying? Because I think he genuinely believes it. I think he probably heard, he's probably conflating things he's heard. I'm sure someone has said in his circles, conservative Uh Christian circles, one nation under God in the pledge shows that we are a Christian nation. Because that is a talking point I've heard before. And he just sort of mushed that together with with, the founding fathers wanted this too. So fine. That may be how this happened. So my two thoughts are... (laughs) My two thoughts are this. One is... And maybe this is controversial and maybe this is a completely wrong opinion. If wait, who's this guy is a public servant? Um, I think he is his day job is just running a church. He's oh, a reverend. Oh, okay. He's not in office at the moment. I don't think. Okay, that sort of takes the legs out from my first thing of maybe there should be like a basic test on history <laughs> if you if you fucking represent our country. Yeah. The second is what is frustrating about this is that we can hear this and we can laugh and do almost spit takes with our boxed wine. But the reality is that people hear this 
and have either have no critical thinking. No, they skills, applauded him or when he said don't this. Care about the truth. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, this is a red. I looked this up because I'm like, is this guy gonna win? It's a red district, but he's running for office. He's running for okay, office, but so, it's a red so district. Right, so, like, if you're if you don't know anything about the candidates, Edge goes to this guy. Yeah, I mm. don't. I I think that's been the most frustrating thing that that I've sort of got. The, and this is not an original thing, but the most frustrating thing I've seen over the last eighteen months of sort of the Trump era is is facts. Don't truth doesn't matter. I mean, like what would they say post post truth era? Yeah. And just this week we heard Trump saying like what you see and what you hear is not what's really happening. And like <laughs> that's Orwellian as fuck. Right. And I like that I think is what most deeply scares me of sort of the repercussions from where we are now is if people decide that truth doesn't matter or if truth doesn't bel- doesn't jive with their worldview then it it's wrong or or aggressive or something like that like literally i have my my husband's uncle i follow on facebook and he'll post just like news articles from like cnn or npr or whatever like tend to be a little leftish but definitely not like super super like slanted and there's this one fucking dude that literally, no matter what he posts, he just says fake news. <laughs> yep. Just knee-jerk reaction at this point. Also, he called the fact that the Democrats um, had Hillary as their nominee over Bernie, he called that high treason. So, like, this right, guy is right. maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but <sighs> but he's a voter and his vote counts as much as mine. Yeah, it does. He's a Bernie Trump supporter, like a Bernie Trump voter. So, so like if he's the sort of, there are people who believe this. No, stuff. there David are. Barton has made a whole career out of promoting this misinformation. David Barton make. I remember years ago, it was probably five years ago. David Barton was on John Stewart, and I had no idea who David oh, Barton yeah, was. I remember that. And I might have written about it when I like back in the day when I was writing for no. the blog. I don't know, yeah. <clears throat> but I'd never heard of David Barton. I, I and John Stewart knew who he was and tried oh, to pin he him knew down his on jam. some of this. And I remember watching it and like not un- because he doesn't present as a alternative fiction, or, you know, alternative history guy or like uh, he's very much like I'm a historian and this, right. I, these I are mean, my he's views. He's getting all this from firsthand documents. Right, that's his but, shtick. Yeah, but I have the letter. But this he is what pulls them in such a. And I remember watching it and like getting so angry like I literally like I I read I watched the extended interview and was just like fuck (laughs) this guy and I you know it must have been before I was I was writing for the blog because it wasn't like a thing that was on my radar and he was talking I was like what the fuck is this dude talking about back in the day when misinformation made you people angry well it still makes me angry (laughs) (laughs) along with so many other things Um, by the way the reason we know that this guy Jerry Carter said all this is because of this letter to the editor, which was happened to be written by another reverend. Huh. Uh, his name, wait for it, God. Wally White. Walter White is his name. Jesus and here's the letter. Christ. No, it's a good, this guy's awesome. Oh, here's what okay. he wrote. You know, part of it. I don't expect every well, citizen. we shouldn't dunk on his name if we're going to 
Then I'm, I'm dunking in the best way. I okay. like it. Uh, I don't expect every citizen to know all these facts. I do, however, expect someone running for office to make sure what he's telling voters is Wally. true. I already expect this of a minister, but stepping into the public spot, political spotlight has an added layer of responsibility. Wally. Wally. Misinforming the public, whether by ignorance or lies, is irresponsible and harmful. Facts matter. The public depends on people in authority to know what they're talking about and tell the truth. Wally White. Boom. With the mic drop. Where is this all taking place? uh, North Carolina. I tried reaching out to Carter, the the guy who said it. Did you? Two things. Okay. Trying to figure out, like, dude, you got this wrong. Do you want to say a statement? Do you you know it's wrong? Do you care? Right. That's what I asked him. I wanted to ask him. I tried looking for this guy's contact information. Like, what, does he have a political site? Like, I'm running for office. There's no contact page on there. Really? I managed to find an email address somewhere, and I emailed it. Is it, it at hotmail.com? <laughs> it bounced back. It was a generic sort of thing. But uh-huh. then I realized, oh, there's a typo in there. His own no. thing had a typo. But I'm like, but it's just a misspelling of his name. So I tried sending it to what I thought would be his. It didn't bounce back. But? But I haven't heard back. So I don't know. That is oh. some wild stuff. One okay. time I tried to, when I was working at a job a couple times ago, I was trying to call somebody to offer them a job, <laughs> but their phone number was wrong on their resume. It's like <laughs> I couldn't operate the job. Oh. I think we eventually got a hold of him, but. Oh, dude. Who, I mean, it was for a writer and editor. So, like. Mm, Maybe that should have been indicative of his future performance. Yeah, right. Anyway, I just remember being like, am I still going to hire him? That feels pretty egregious. <laughs> that does. Anyway, that's um, very embarrassing for that dude. Um, and Wally White is my hero. Does he want to come on this podcast and be my friend? Do it, Wally. Uh, two I'm more. Sure he's an avid listener. I'm sure. I got two more for you. Uh, this first one this is a sadder story, but there's two South Asian atheists who are activists. Uh, one in India, one in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And both of them are now facing blasphemy charges. And the uh, they're never legit charges. Because, mm-hmm. like, who are you offending? Blasphemy, like, is a dumb crime. It's a oh, non... Religious it's, people. Yeah, um, like, blasphemy doesn't offend anybody. It shouldn't. But anyway... That's... Um, <laughs> it's a victimless crime. That's the saying. Because, like, who are you offending? God? Whatever. Anyway, the first one is against... Uh, a guy named Babu Gogineni, who I've met, who is awesome. He is a former director of the International Humanist and Ethical Union, IHEU. Cool. He is kind of like India's James Randi. Like, he debunks stuff, and he gets media attention when he debunks stuff. Like a Sanal... Adam uh, Maruku. Yeah. Uh, we talked about him a while back, too. I yes. interviewed him a couple years ago and That's right. cried at the end of it. Because like he was basically exiled yeah. from his country. It's a... Like it was before we had the podcast, but it's probably up on YouTube somewhere. It is like the most incredible story I've ever heard. Yeah. Not, anyway, go ahead. So uh, Babu, basically, uh, one of the things he did last year that got a ton of attention in his part of India that he's from is that he went on TV, uh, let's say kind of like a cable news show type of place mm-hmm. where they had two healers oh, on God. TV and basically, they were the type of people who say, like, energy can heal your body and it'll cure your problem. My third chakra is a little janky. <laughs> yeah. And they offered consultations over the phone for money. Huh. And basically, uh, without, I don't remember the exact details, but Babu was also on that show that day on purpose. They invited him. Oh, okay. And he basically proved that they're full of it. And it was an amazing clip. Oh, cool. um, yeah, Babu. So more power to him. 
that went viral in his community for a lot of reasons. And one of the people, the person who filed this blasphemy charge against him, uh, she said she had seen his speeches online where he talks about this work he does and why God doesn't exist and why these pseudoscientific things are wrong. Uh. And that's kind of it. Then she filed the blasphemy charges against him. And listen, I'm just going to read off a brief thing. Here's the litany of charges against Babu. Um, Attempting to wage war against the government of India. Promoting enmity between different groups on grounds of religion. You're making them fight against each other. Um, Obscenity. Insulting religious beliefs. Public mischief. (laughs) Like all of these charges. And here's the thing, too. I don't even know if he knows he's been accused of all of this stuff because right now he is starring on his state's version of Big Brother. What the fuck? They invited him in the home of their version of Big Brother and he's in there, which means you're isolated from the real world while this is all going on. That is wild. (laughs) It's called Big Boss (laughs) Telugu, which is their local language. Big Boss Telugu two because it's the second season sure he's been locked up rolling. in there for a month he can't even defend himself because he doesn't know what the hell's going on right now his lawyer basically said can you at least wait like two months until maybe he does well on the show like he's still in there and he's I mean, out this before you like can charge him quarantine pulling him off a dumb reality show they literally could but i don't think he would want that and i don't think like the lawyer wants that. It's yeah. like it's a frivolous charge. Don't pull him from the show for this. Yeah, he's gonna so be that's, famous. That's some real that's, permit patty shit that she's pulling though. That's some weird stuff. And the other woman is a Pakistani activist named sorry if I pronounce this wrong, Gulalai Ismail. And she is a feminist activist. She works yeah, with a group girl. called Aware Girls, which yeah. is all about promoting women's rights and peace. And basically, there's a campaign of defamation against her. Um, for undertaking immoral activities. Which are? Um, I think trying to fight for women's rights. What a whore. Um, that's kind of it. Ugh. There's Again, if you're asking me, like, what's the reason? There's no real reason sure. for any of this. She's um, stirring the pot. Yeah. These are both separate incidents, but they happen at the same time. Remember in Bangladesh, also in that region, we've seen a lot of atheist activists get murdered. Sure. And now these two have been accused of blasphemy, which, if nothing else, paints a target on their backs. For which is sure. What's I mean, that's why, it's, again, going back to Sonala, like he hasn't been back to India, I think, in years. Yeah. He lives in Norway now, I think. I don't know where he's now, but he I know he had to move out for a while. And I know Babu travels all over the world all the time. Yeah. But like he he likes he likes his home. He's a big deal in his home like state. He doesn't want to like not be able to go there. Well, so yeah, and most people like going home. All the more reason to just every nation needs to get rid of blasphemy laws. They need to make it very clear that insulting perceived it's insane. And Again, it's one thing when you hear about, like, I don't know, this is a totally racist because I'm brown. I could say this. Like, when you hear brown countries doing it, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But, like, Ireland is trying to abolish it because they know Pakistan said, well, we can have our blasphemy law because look at Ireland. So Ireland's on the verge of getting rid of it, but Pakistan has it. They need to get rid of it. India has a version of it. They need to get rid of it. Um, And that wasn't racist, right? No, I'm brown. I can be racist all I want. (laughs) Okay. To my people. Anyway, um... I hope they're going to be okay. I don't know how this plays out, but it's totally frivolous, scary charges. I have one last happy story for you. I'm ending on a positive note. 
And this is from Yorkshire, England. In Sheffield is the city. And the, they have a city council there. It's a big city council. Uh-huh. You have to be elected to it, obviously. And I guess, sorry if I have the details wrong, but I guess of the council members, they elect their leader uh, among the council members. Okay. And that person is called the Lord Mayor. Dope. It's more of a ceremonial title Doesn't than anything matter. else. It's cool as hell. But it is cool as hell. The guy who is currently the Lord Mayor is not only not a major party candidate, imagine electing a Green Party candidate okay. for some title like this. It doesn't happen that often. He's the first of his third party to have this title. <laughs> uh, he is a Green Party member, but I don't know if it's the same here as it is there. His name is Majid Majid. Cool. He's a British Somali activist. And I'm in love with this man. Come around and look at his portrait. Oh, yes, 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 because, yes. I love when you call me over. Oh, my God, this guy is badass. He, oh he, my God. he's squatting like a gargoyle on it at a city hall podium, and he's wearing badass shoes, I and he's he's that. wearing a necklace that is amazing, um, <laughs> right? So anyway, he's already controversial because he's kind of cool. My heart. <laughs> You're gonna anyway. post that picture, right? We, yeah, I am. The people deserve to see it. <laughs> so anyway, here's what he How did. How can There's, he look cool while he's squatting? He does though, right? Uh, this guy, there's a big music festival taking place in Sheffield. And I think it was last weekend. he's a singer and guitarist, right? He's, you know what he's doing? He's just walking around shaking hands like he's, he just wants to meet people. Oh, my and God. Everyone's, want to meet everyone me? wants to take his pic, their pictures with this guy because <laughs> why not? But there's a poster that someone that he put up. Uh-huh. And people took pictures of the poster. And it's going around social media. And basically, it's from this guy. And it says, Sheffield's Ten Commandments. I'm going to read you all 10 because they're awesome. One, uh, no number, just I'll go through. Be kind. Yes. Don't be a prick. Nice. Do epic shit. (laughs) (laughs) See the good. Don't lose hope. Do it differently. Always buy your round. Yes. (laughs) Don't kiss a Tory, the conservative party, (laughs) right? Tell your ma you love her. I'm so And number 10. <laughs> number 10, you've got this. <laughs> and then at the bottom, Lord Mayor Ma- Magic Majid. And then it's just his bobbling head on the poster. <laughs> what are we doing here? Why aren't we in Yorkshire? <laughs> right? And then he added on Twitter underneath that post, like he posted that picture. And then as a follow up comment on Twitter, number 11, be good to trees. <laughs> I'm literally tearing up because I forgot (laughs) politics could be good. (laughs) No. I love him. This was controversial. Guess why it was controversial? Because people are the fucking worst and who gives (laughs) a shit? That is the right answer. Um, They were mad that he said, don't kiss a Tory. Yeah. (laughs) One lady... uh, I'll try not being a Tory. I'll get kissed. (laughs) One lady wrote, my mom is a Tory. I kiss her every day. She's kind and loving and good and tolerant. She doesn't judge anyone because of their politics. I'm sorry you don't like my Tory mom. She's a wonderful woman. I don't think that's what he meant. To which he responds, hi, Helen. I'm sure your mom is an amazing woman. Please don't take it serious. It's just tongue in... Please please don't take it serious. It's just tongue in cheek. Fist bump, green heart. Oh, I love him. I'm in love with him. Mikey, sweetie, I love you. You're going to bed. I'm leaving you for the mayor of Yorkshire or something. He's excellent. He is. And uh, obviously, other people had awesome things to say. I'm not really leaving you, baby. I love you. (laughs) Other people had awesome things to say about him. 
It's just in good spirits. That's excellent. Oh. oh, that's so heartening. I know. Commandment two, don't be a prick. Don't be a um, prick. With the little asterisk instead of the letter I. Because oh, sure. you don't want to offend anyone. No. Also, do epic shit asterisks for the I. Nice. So. And he's in Sheffield, huh? Sheffield. I will say, Yorkshire accents are inscrutable. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how well we'd fare there. But fuck, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. That's very, very good. This seems cool. Um, is that all? Uh, that's all, all I got. Sorry, I didn't bring anything today because... How dare you? <laughs> like you're traveling I, in the morning I or something. I had gone nonstop. I had worked today, went downtown. I didn't have time to research. Haven't, haven't got my back. But Don't worry. Getting... I wrote down 11-year-old. I'm like, this will take me an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard I choked. <laughs> um, okay, so we got an email from Emily. Yes. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm very tired and I'm very excited to go on vacation. (laughs) So, Emily, here we go. Uh, Just finished listening to the newest podcast and heard you were out of... Oh, um, yeah, we were out of (laughs) listener mail. Thank you, Emily. We were out of listeners. (laughs) 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 Thanks, listener number one. (laughs) Get it, girl. Uh, My name is Emily. I'm a 22-year-old female who lives in Provo, Utah, home to BYU and Heart of the Mormons. While out in public... I received dirty looks for wearing too short shorts or showing my shoulders. And even if it had strangers approach me saying I shouldn't tempt the Mormon men. Jesus. For the most part, I've learned to ignore, but I always worry about making people uncomfortable by swearing in public with friends or being rude when people say I should dress uh, to the community standards. I don't want to be rude or intrusive, but I also don't want to conform my life around their beliefs and values. Is there a good balance when everyone around you holds a certain belief like modesty or swearing um, so high that you can so that you can still live the way you like but be respectful? Um, hope that made sense. It certainly did. want to be respectful of the cultural community but I swear if one more person tells me how sexual my porn shoulders are yeah. I'm going to snap. There is a... Oh, yeah. Emily, you're great. <laughs> um, th- uh, thank you. I'm going to say the nice things about yes. us now. We have nice things? Yeah, people say nice things once in a while. Uh, (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I'm grateful to have found your podcast a year ago. I feel alone sometimes with my beliefs in this state. Uh, Jessica, I love your potty mouth and swear as much as you do. Also, I wish you could... I wish I could give you five stars, but I don't think Google has a rating rating system. Is that a thing? Son of a bitch, Google. Those bastards. Buy an iPhone, Emily. What are you doing? (laughs) Thanks, Emily. Thank you for Uh, writing, Emily. There was an ex-Mormon subreddit, and I did not know about the porn shoulders, but if you go on the ex-Mormon subreddit, you have all these people who left the Mormon church, and they post selfies where they show their shoulders, and they're like, that's right. I'm showing them, because I got nothing to hide anymore. Um, it's kind of nice. It's kind of cute to see all these selfies of guys and girls like, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> so what should she do? If the concern is okay. if she shows her shoulders, if she w- looks like a normal person, people stare and judge her. So I don't want to shag you, Hammond, but I feel some kind of way about this. Yes. <laughs> um, so on the one hand, I do want to say I get where she's coming from like you don't want to you don't want to exist in the world as somebody who is going to be gawked at as weird or or not fitting in and she clearly is an empathetic person she doesn't want to make people feel uncomfortable I, I think the closest I can relate to this is my my husband's family is catholic my family is intermittently catholic um and a lot of times when I go into catholic church I'm like ugh, can I wear this can I wear that Ultimately, I don't give a shit. But so I understand this this idea of 
I want to be me, but I want to be respectful. That said, for me, that's me going into somebody's church. You're like going to fucking Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Um, So if it's me, and I'm talking as a 32-year-old woman who like would welcome somebody to confront me in public and so I could fucking yell at them. I would be like tube tops for life, I guess. They're not <laughs> flattering on me, but I have to make a point. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, it, Emily, it's something, and this is not helpful, but it's something that has to come from from you and what makes you feel the best. I guess it's about weighing, okay, what do I hate more? Do I hate sort of censoring the way I dress and, and double th- double checking everything I wear? Or do you hate being stared at in public more? Um, I guess my A number one suggestion would be like, don't hang out in Mormon cities. Maybe like come to Chicago. I show or my shoulders. Or any big city. I show my shoulders all the time. Nobody yeah. looks at me. Yeah. Um, or any big city where there's not a huge. Yeah, I mean, Mormon but population. listen, if that's where you live, that's where you live. Right. And if that's where you want to be, you deserve to be there as much as any other human does because you're also a citizen of that city. Just because most people are Mormon does not believe mean they monopolize the public space. That's not how the country works, at least right now. So, Emily, to you, I would say maybe if it's me, if I'm 22 and I'm living in a conservative area, I would maybe maybe have a couple like lines set up for if somebody does say something for you, have something that you're like ready to fire off back at them of like, my shoulders aren't, you could even say it like, God gave me these shoulders. They're not sinful or something like that. But like, so my thing, so I used to uh, live in uptown in Chicago, which is sort of a, a, a it can be a, a dodgy area in some places. Um, and I used to get, cat called a lot or like men would like try to stop me in the street to talk to me and eventually what I I would always get flustered and angry and and scared and what I landed on was don't talk to strangers if somebody stopped me I would yell don't talk to strangers (laughs) at them and keep walking and it made me feel really good to have something canned something like I didn't have to be quick or smart or witty I could just like have this thing that I react and say Um, so maybe consider that I am never going to say cover up to make other people more comfortable because fuck that noise. Like that's, it's not your responsibility to make people more comfortable with your shoulders in public. You're, if they're being tempted by your like fucking collarbone, then that's on them and it's not on you. And I think the fact that you would even write this says a lot about you as a person of, I want to, I don't want to be a shit stirrer, but some, I mean, God, you're not, it's not on you. This isn't, okay. It's very nice of her to be considerate of It that. is, but Emily, this is not about you and this <laughs> is about them. So my sort of alpha omega advice is you do you, you go out and be as comfortable as you want. If you see people gawking, my favorite thing to do is lock eyes with them until they get too embarrassed and look away. <laughs> I mean, how many tricks do you think I have for being a woman in public? The answer is infinite. Yes. Um, eye contact makes people extremely uncomfortable. If you do it for long enough, they'll feel like an asshole because they forget that there's like a head attached to the body. Um, and so when you <laughs> remind them vis-a-vis eyes, they don't like that too. If somebody says anything to you, think of something that 
makes you feel powerful or brush or de-escalates or whatever you need. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. I, I, I've dealt with a lot, the, the whole living in a religious community and people judging me based on the way that I dress has, has not personally come up. Um, but I think that you need to be true to yourself. And I, and I also think that if you started changing the way you dress to appease the Mormon men, not even in your life, fuck, it's just men on the street. Who fucking cares? Like, Jesus, like, just go on your day, Mormon man, and hang out with your 47 children who are all blonde. Like, it's, they're fine. They'll get over it. You... Do you live your life? Don't ugh, no. Don't modify how you dress or do whatever you want. Do what makes you feel comfortable. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but if it's me, I'm not changing the way I dress. I am lining up some zingers, and I am getting ready to make some uncomfortable eye contact with people in public because they don't like that. Um, and that's my my advice. Question mark thoughts. I got thoughts nothing on to add. It? That's a good answer. Was it? Yeah. Did yeah. it stop being a good answer seven minutes ago? No, I, Emily, if you're listening, let us know if that was helpful. Yeah. Because I, I don't have anything to add to that. No, I don't. Hemant always wears T-shirts. He's very modest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should oh. see me in winter. It, yeah, I was going to say, it's the height <laughs> of summer, and Hemant's never not worn T-shirts to my house. That's accurate. But I'm, I'm very leery when he wears <laughs> just a T-shirt. <laughs> Next week, shoulders. I'm not going to be here. You wear whatever you oh, want. right. Um, cool. Uh, do you have anything? No. No? I could go on about the kid. God damn it. Damn it. You're not making us look good. <laughs> I have more. Um, did you, <laughs> have you gotten to watch Nana yet? Uh, yeah, I did. It was really good. Um, I... I enjoyed it. It was totally different than stuff I'm used to seeing stand-up-wise. Yeah, I would say it's it loosely stand-up. Um, right. It's, it's Hannah Gatsby. She's a, um a gay comic from Australia, from Tasmania specifically. And the first, like I've heard, I think like many people have like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And I would say the first like 30 minutes, I was like, this is very good. I'm not like, it's shook. not the most amazing thing ever, shooketh. but it's good. And then the last 20 minutes, I ugly cried. <laughs> and then I had to have some quiet time. It to me is one of the most powerful moments I've seen. On, for me, the most power, one of the most powerful moments I've seen on stage. It was incredible. It was very, very good. Um, it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. It's called yeah. Nanette. Um, Have a good yeah. vacation. I'm going on vacation. Maybe I'm we'll a- do a show next week when you get back. Maybe we'll air an interview that we did a while back and never <laughs> published, but we should. Yeah. One or the other. We'll figure so it out. So that's this week, next week. Yeah, I'm coming back Saturday. Maybe yeah. we can do something. Or maybe I could not. What? <laughs> Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Hemet, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm at patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. <laughs> or yeah, at Hemet on Twitter. We've got some fun uh, goals set up. We're trying if you to give us five stars on iTunes, I will pop up magically in somewhere. Oh, I usually check iTunes before we record that's this. a horrible so I, idea. So I can see if people say mean things that I can read on the air. <laughs> you know that's my favorite hobby. Um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at... <laughs> you just threw I did. I just got mad. Oh, do you miss Dottie? Dottie's already at her babysitter. You haven't even noticed she's gone? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
uh, Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. You'll just be seeing a lot of pictures of pine trees because I think that's <laughs> what the Northwest does. Um, Have a good trip. Thank you very much. We haven't gotten to the point where people say something mean about me yet. It doesn't matter. That's okay. Um, I'll leave something soon. <laughs> You're asshole. You're welcome. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.